You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and startup clubs house in clubhouse it's free it always will be free there are no strings attached there is no bait and switch lurk or listen only chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage the coffee shop is open for business whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office on Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wellness Wednesday, we discuss mental health, wellness, and life skills. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions with the author. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the collective cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption, entrepreneurship, or coaching. So give us a subscribe, bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go, or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand or of course join us every day live it is addictive and remember it is a safe welcoming space and you will never ever be put on the spot this is alpha collectives collective cafe my name is joseph jaffe well good morning good morning good morning it is time for the collective cafe and um, hello, Will. Hope you're well. Actually, I have a topic uh, I think that you're going to like today. Um, I was thinking about doing something pretty NFT related. And um, I thought I would give a context as well. Yeah, I think you're going to love this because I guess I guess the topic, the topic would be, you know, there is this old saying that says if you could do it all over again you know if i knew now what i knew then i would never have gotten involved and my response always is if i if i knew if i knew what if i knew now what i if i knew then what i know now i wouldn't have got involved um so now i'm thinking if i knew then what i know now i would have gotten involved a year sooner so a couple of things reasons why i like that saying well, you know, one is this idea of there are so many. Let's start off with the first statement. If I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have gone involved. It means, like, I had no idea what was coming. The roller coaster, the downs, the the twists, the turns, 
the um the mis- the bumps the bruises and was it worth it was it worth it and a lot of people you know obviously are going to come and say um you know it's only failure if you don't learn from it and 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 look i believe i subscribe to all of those things i subscribe to every bit of prose and thought leadership that basically says you know kind of uh you know everything in the world has led us to this moment and you know everything informs you and like like i could have a whole i could talk about that for 20 hours um but sometimes we ask ourselves well you know what maybe yeah of course there were learnings and and you know i've i i wouldn't change everything but maybe you would maybe you would say shit you know i i wouldn't have got involved i wouldn't have bought a single nft um, I would have saved myself a lot of money and a lot of pain, you know, like, so maybe it's okay to be able to say, if I'd known then what I know now, I wouldn't have gotten involved. Um, and, and, you know, there's an opportunity cost. There's, I always say it's not so much an opportunity cost, um, but an opportunity lost, right? An opportunity lost versus a cost because um, the, the opportunity cost, you can measure it in money, but the opportunity lost, you measure in time. Um, and yeah, I could have done other things. Um, I look back at at my decision, um, you know, sold my company, uh, you know, exited the company that I sold my company to, uh, took a piece of the earnout, but not not the majority of it because I left early. And I had a choice and I started another company. But if I hadn't, I could have, you know, just made a very, very comfortable life as a public speaker and a consultant and hired an assistant and maybe a manager. And I could have definitely gone in a different direction. Who knows where that may have ended up. And by the way, it could have also ended up in disaster when COVID hit, where suddenly, you know, um, that whole market just dried up. So you don't know. Um, So I, I guess my first point I wanted to make is, is, Maybe we shouldn't always be so uh, binary. And we should say, well, you know, if I'd known then what I know now, I probably wouldn't have gone. I might not have got involved. I might have done something different. I might not have gone all in. I might have, um, you know, I, th- I think back to the, to, you know, to the early days of my creator coin. I, if I'd taken a different position, um, things would have ended up very differently. But then there's the second part, right? And the second part is, if I'd, which, which is my build, which is if I'd known then what I know now, I would have gotten involved a year earlier. Because, you know, if you believe in the learnings, if you believe that everything in this world has gotten you to this point, the bumps, the bruises, the successes, the failures, if you believe that you are a work in progress, if you believe that you will be an overnight success 52 years in the making, you know, if you believe that everyone has their time. Some people peak early, some people peak late. Um, And if you truly love the journey and have a purpose and an objective. So, you know, a little bit of perspective if you are listening to this for the first time or or will, you know, we we were reading reading a book called Happier uh, in the month of October. And Happier talks about the question of questions. The ultimate question of questions is how do you find lasting happiness not just happiness but like kind of like like lasting happiness and part of the answer is you have to have a balance between what essentially you know they call you know the one extreme is the rat race 
where you are unhappy now because you're sacrificing everything for a future state, but guess what? That future state kind of never arrives because there's always going to be a more, another future state and there's always going to be unhappiness. And, uh, and then the other one is the hedonistic lifestyle, right, which is happy today and who gives a crap about tomorrow. And so the actual answer, the actual answer is to be happy now and then. Um, so uh, uh, Will says, good morning, handsome. Just jumped on tour bus in Vegas and heading to Bryce Canyon in Zion National Park. Um, unbelievable. And uh, looks like there's a photo of you as the wrecking ball. Also looks like you've had a nice trim by the way i like the new hair i I like the new haircut um and uh i'm jealous because i really want to go see the sphere inside and out so it just looks tremendous and of course go to the national park so you're in the right place at the right time and the right temperature as well um so so this idea of loving the journey and having a purpose that is the you know that's the that's the question of questions that's the answer of answers which is you love the journey, right? Success is a journey, not a destination. You love the journey. Um, you love the journey even with all the bumps and bruises and the warts and the, and the pain and the, you know, and, and, and the difficulty and the challenges. And if you can actually love the journey, this doesn't necessarily mean you're a masochist. It just means you actually buy into it. You, you are at peace with it. You are comfortable with it. You recognize that it's never going to be all you know, good and all kind of roses that you recognize, um, you recognize um, that you are going to be in a position where, you know, um, where there is good and there is bad. Um, and, and so that is, you know, that is a different state, right? That's a state that kind of embraces, that bridges the, um, you know that bridges the here and the now, and then the and then the what comes next. Um, and so, with that said, you know the I was thinking, and and then there's maybe a third component, and the third component is this idea of what if you could do it all over again? What if you could do it all over again? How would you do it? How would you do it differently? Um, and and there it gets interesting, right? So. One of the things that one of the things that that I've I've certainly written about I wrote about it in in many of my books is like if you could start an airline today what would you do how would you do it differently in some respects um, there are certain like logistical and practical elements to it right which is when you don't have um, you know flight attendants that are locked into thirty and forty year you know, or have tenure and the trade, you you know, there are some financial and operational challenges, good, bad, and ugly. Um, And, but if you get beyond that and you actually think from a customer-centric standpoint, what kind of an airline would you build if you were building an airline today? And we've discussed this, you know, in previous collective cafes. So the example always used is JetBlue, right? So JetBlue you know, and I mean, I tell the story my way, which is JetBlue kind of looked at Maslow and basically said, uh, you know, let's try not to bore people out of their minds. Let's try not to gouge from them. Let's try not to be greedy. Let's not try to hit them all these hidden fees and 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 little, you know, small print. Uh, let's also make sure that they don't starve. 
Um, and, and so, you know, we know today that JetBlue became famous for their blue terror chips. They became famous for live TV and they became famous for free Wi-Fi. Now, if you think about it, how hard is it to do that? I just flew back from London. Wi-Fi was $34.95 on American Airlines. And it was crap. I've flown on Qatar before. Qatar is $10. And if you buy it and prepay for it, it's $8. So $8 for a 14-hour flight, by the way, for the whole flight including but not limited to from Doha to Cape Town. You're flying over Africa. It's not like you're flying over Europe. You're flying over Africa. So you pay 10 bucks for a pretty good connection, better than Americans, right? And for a 11 and then a 14-hour flight. Whereas what American will do is they'll keep charging you more. The longer the flight, the, the, the larger the amount, so a two-hour flight to Chicago, they'll charge you, I don't know, $18. It, it's, it's highway robbery, and it just leaves a terrible taste in the mouth. Now, by the way, I flew back from London in business class. I used an upgrade. You know, it was an economy ticket, and I used one of my certificates, and I flew back in business class. So why not give business class free Wi-Fi? At a minimum, right? At a minimum. But no. I flew um, to London on British Airways. British Airways gives you free Wi-Fi in first class, but not in business, but in first class and on one device only. So when you actually just think about the, like I'm going down a little tangent, but it's an important one, which is it's insane. It's like who the hell is running this, this, you know, insane asylum at these companies? Who goes onto a flight with one device? You have a laptop. You have a phone. You want to be able to move between the two. I get the fact that if you just said unlimited, how would you police it? How would you manage it? You know, now you've got uh, your kids with you and you give them all this. I get that. One at a time makes sense. It's easy to do. I've done it before. I've seen it before. You log in, you log out. If you log in with your same email address on your phone, it disconnects you from your laptop. You log in on your laptop, it disconnects you from your phone. These are not hard things. But but JetBlue just said free Wi-Fi, period, period. And, of course, you know, the terror chips and live TV. Because at the end of the day, if people are entertained... If people are busy and occupied, they're going to be a lot more pleasant to deal with. They're going to have a better experience. They might even just have a little bit more patience and be a little bit more forgiving if something goes wrong. So this is the element, right? If you could start it all over again, what would you do if you were starting an airline today? Now, I have taken a step further when we've had this conversation and I've said, why not? use NFTs? Why not be able to say people or, or people of a certain status have been able to say at any point in time, there's, let's say the back row of every flight is reserved for 
whether it's status or NFT holders. And if the, if the seat is clear, you can just get on it for free. Wouldn't it be amazing to just show up at the airport and, and just, you know, my wife and I, we go to the airport, we go to the check-in counter and we say, we, we scan our NFTs and immediately it says, hey, listen, do you want to go to, I don't know, Myrtle Beach? Sure, let's go to Myrtle Beach. Let's just go. Flight leaves in two hours. Let's go to San Francisco. Let's go to Sacramento. Let's go to Bermuda. You know? And then once we're there, we'll use hotel tonight or last minute hotels or something like that. And I mean, that's what life should be. The last row at the back of the aircraft, next to the toilet, the stinky toilet, next to the flight attendants. You don't care. Why would you care? That's what you bought into. You're flying for free. So these are things that I feel could so, you know, it, it, it requires this question to be asked. If you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? And what did you learn from it? So for me, what happened with my coin, going back to my Jaffe coin, I got over the course of the lifetime of that coin before the whole thing imploded, probably over a million rally in, in rewards. Now, at one point, rally was $1.33. And today, it's um, 0.6 of a cent, 0.0059 or something. It's half a cent. And obviously, I didn't have a million rally on day one when it was $1.30. But if I could do it all over again, me personally, what would I do? I'd put a certain amount in my pocket every week. What did I do? I just hoarded, 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 reinvested, reinvested because I thought it was going to the moon. And it wasn't. So we can all say that. I think when somebody goes, I wouldn't do a thing differently. I, you know, that, that's like saying I don't have any regrets. I don't like that. I think you should be able to say I would do this differently. Otherwise, what the hell did you learn? Were you so flawless? Were you so perfect? That you literally wouldn't do a thing differently? I find that to be very arrogant. It's, it's borderline delusional. I wouldn't do a thing differently. Of course you do some things differently. I mean, if it was bad, you'll make it good. If it was good, you'll make it better. If it was better, you'll make it best. Why not? Same applies with respect to thinking about a market, an industry, a space. And so when I think about NFTs... For example, I'm not, I don't know that I'll ever be prepared to, to say that, you know, NFTs are the scourge, NFTs, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't do much of the same. Like I, I do believe in it. I believe in trading cards, uh, trading cards. I believe in Topshop. I believe in, I've seen how much money is made by FIFA in, in that game that I don't know how, I, I don't even want to think how much money I've spent on behalf of my boys. 
Pax, 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 Thanksgiving Pax, Christmas Pax, Team of the Year Pax. It's the same dopamine hits. It's the same concept. You buy the pack, the the jumbo pack, the platinum pack, the diamond pack, the gold pack, the silver pack, whatever. And the the wheel turns and the fire burns and you know and the the trumpets sound and did I get Neymar? Did I get Bale? Did I get Ronaldo at the time? Did I get Messi? Did I get Mbappe? Right? Did I get you know vintage Pele? Did I get Team of the Year? you know, Holland, whatever. That thrill, chasing the lottery, the one in a thousand, the one in 10,000, the one in a hundred thousand. That's exactly what was happening with NFTs. And I don't see any reason why we shouldn't or wouldn't go back to it. Whether it's pudgy penguins or lazy lions or any of them, to get the OGs or the vintage or the Genesis or the, you know, the one of ones. It's not a new concept at all. And so on one level, we have to just be very pragmatic about it and accept it. Just, you know, instead of, you know, throwing out the baby with the bathwater, saying, but wait a second, what we need to do, and this is my model that I've used many times, We need to discard the worst of the old and we also need to reject the worst of the new. We need to maintain the best of the old and embrace the best of the new. Well, the best of the new is blockchain. The best of the new is community. The best of the new is fractional micro-ownership, secondary market, royalties, greater royalties, right? The worst of the new, the scammers and the get-rich-quick schemes and, and the fact that, that we, would, you know, we were dealing with the best of the new as an alternative funding model. The worst of the new was the fact that we put this, the keys, the power in the hands of what transpires to be a bunch of inexperienced bros in their, young tw- in their low 20s or high teens who were, by virtue of not being doxxed, we had no idea who they were. Some of them were, again, the young 22-year-old bros who had no experience, but others were scammers. And yes, it ended up giving the entire industry one hell of a black eye. But that doesn't mean because it didn't work then that it won't work now and that it can't work tomorrow. And it's important to recognize that. Of course, it didn't help that we were also dealing at the time with all these wallet hacks and you know the, how complicated everything was. The whole user experience of blockchain slash web3 slash crypto slash nfts was awful but it wasn't that hard at the end of the day many people figured it out i was actually surprised how many true as they call them normies figured it out unfortunately these were people that got scammed but 
they were in Discord and setting up MetaMask wallets and, you know, and and joining whitelists and they were fine. I mean, they were, you know, unfortunately, the scammers are always one step ahead of us, all of us. And they got better and better. So I, I kind of am rejecting this whole notion. I, I mean, I'm questioning everything today. I'm questioning the fact that everyone said oh, it was the whole process was too complicated. It really wasn't actually too complicated. If you took the time and if you actually just put in the effort. The concept of, you know, uh, a 12-word uh, key phrase. I can't even remember what the hell they call it. Your, uh, what, what was the name? Your passcode, your part, your, I guess your key, whatever. I can't even remember what they called it. Not that hard. Not that hard just to say these are 12 random words. It's like a super password. By the way, missed opportunity for a, a an app like a duo or a authenticator app, not just to create seed phrase. Oh my God, why did I forget that? Thank you, Praxim. Why did nobody just create an app that allowed you to store your your, your seed phrases? Why did that never happen? If uh, you know two-factor authorization is so powerful, I get the fact that that kind of, in a way, goes against the whole concept of a seed phrase. But, I mean, I don't know that people have hacked two-factor authorization. From what I understand, I don't know of examples where two-factor authorization has, you know, has become a, a massive, you know, uh, what do you call it, backdoor, whatever the case may be. So, yeah, there were missed opportunities. That's why I said if you could do it all over again, if we could do it all over again, just having an app to be able to keep your seed phrases, if you chose, with two-factor authorization, doesn't sound like we were selling ourselves out. So, you know, if I could do it all over again, I would say there should be, if you were starting a collection, and that was the problem, of course. I mean, I remember every day, every day there were... Uh, Praxim says, uh, password managers are those apps. No, I know that's what I'm saying. Why was there just no password manager or you know two-factor authorization app that allowed you just to store your seed phrases? Because that was a little bit of a problem. I mean, it remains a problem where in some cases, not just that people, I mean, people forgot their seed phrases and then it was gone, right? Too many stories of people who have, hundreds of Bitcoins stored in a wallet. Then there were stories of, of course, where seed phrases were stolen, where you'd be on Discord and someone would be like, hey, I'm the customer service person of Alpha Collective. Um, we're just kind of verifying wallets. I just need your seed phrase. And people are like, okay, oh, sure. Because this person direct messaged me and they've got the same logo and whatever. So many people fell for those scams. But if we move beyond that, what I would have done, okay, so again, I'm asking the question, well, if we could do it all over again. If I was, you know, CEO of NFTs, what would I do? 
Well, first of all, I mean, as I was talking about, it's like I remember every day three, four, five new um, collections launching. I remember on a day where there was like no collections launching, I actually had a low. I actually felt depressed, believe it or not. I actually felt like the sense that, that I was missing something in my life. Like Sundays, like, oh my God, there's no, there's, you know, like, what am I going to do? Instead of, you know, trying to get on the white list and, you know, and dealing with all these, uh, you know, and, 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 hitting the submit button and gas wars was just so much fun. Missing out and not missing out and getting a rare and not getting a rare and, ah, the good old days. What would I do differently? Well, first of all, if every collection had to be verified, like by the, you know, whether it's the Better Business Bureau or the you know, good housekeeping seal or, you know, or um, some kind of uh, very mark or some kind of trust verification where every, where founders absolutely have to be doxxed. Hell, maybe, you know, need certain credentials, maybe putting certain collateral. It, it's not that hard. I don't believe it would be hard at all just to create a better mechanism on the front end to allow for a much more um, transparent, question mark, um, safer, question mark, NFT experience. Really not hard. So first of all, you know, if we're peeling, not peeling the onion, but peeling back the onion, um, we'd start off by saying, well, what's the first thing that we'd, we'd kind of, we, we'd fix? We'd fix the scams. That's the easy one, right? We'd fix the scams. So, as I said, you know, every founder doxed. You know who they are. You can see their LinkedIn. You can see what they've done before. You can see their past history. Um, this is one of the most fundamental aspects that helped um, digital grow. I'm talking about like eBay. I'm talking about Amazon sellers, but I'm specifically talking about eBay. Because, and I've mentioned this many times, there was a point, you know, I remember when I, I was still probably in the agency world, and if I wasn't, good morning, Bears, if I wasn't in the agency world, I was like, you know, in the 10 years that after I left, so like 2002 to like whatever, 2010, but I remember hearing from some of the chief revenue officers at, at eBay saying the number one growing category on eBay are, you know, people 60 plus. And I remember them saying, you know what the fastest growing category on eBay was? And people were like, I don't know, you know, bubble wrap or something. And they're like, no, cars. People are buying cars on eBay. Because at the end of the day, you know, would I buy from someone called Praxim with an owl for a profile picture that I've never heard of before or heard from before that has, you know, five reviews on eBay three of which are negative 
awful, awful seller, never buy from them again. One is neutral, one is positive. Plus, I got those little black glasses that show that they recently changed their profile picture. Hell no. Well, what about if I'm, if I'm buying from someone called Praxim? Again, owl or no owl, don't have to see their face. But let's just say, can see the face, link to a LinkedIn profile, so I can actually see or a website. But more importantly, they have 10,000 reviews. 9,950 of them are positive. And of the 10 that are negative, I see Praxim has responded to all of them and resolved them. Sure. Don't even think about it. Don't even have to think twice about it. Buy anything from him. Buy a car from him. Why not? Feel like I'm in a safe mechanism. So it doesn't seem hard to be able to create an NFT mechanism. And remember, I'm talking about with all the the dopamine, you know, the... Um, the reveals, the, the, the rares, the, all of that stuff. Trading cards, collecting cards, top shop, you know, FIFA. It's been done a thousand times. Nothing new here. But this time, as I said, step one, eliminate the scammers. Step two, eliminate or at least create a more transparent mechanism to know who you're dealing with. In other words, this person or these people are not scammers, but they are 20-year-olds in a dorm somewhere trying to get rich quick. It's kind of obvious, right? The anonymity that came through, whether they called it NFT Twitter or you know Discord or Clubhouse or etc., it didn't help. So you have the scammers and then you have this opacity and ambiguity. And what you ended up with at the end of the day was a, a bit of a mess. So when things went south, um, a lot of these undoxed founders took the money and ran. Or they didn't take the money and run, they spent the money and they didn't know what, they're like, oh crap, nobody told us what happens when you spend all the money and pay for all those Times Square Lambos and, you know, whatever, uh, billboard advertising. And then, of course, you had, again, the 22-year-old bros who actually ended up um, saying, oh, crap, what have we done? And and so they kind of ran away. They didn't take the money and, and run. They had no more money, perhaps, and they ran. So if we could do it all over again, I don't know necessarily that we would have to do so much differently. But we would certainly do some things differently. There's a reason why when I take my Audi in for a service, I take it to Audi. When you talk about authentic parts, genuine parts, certified, you know, there is sometimes a re there there are absolutely always reasons why you do something kind of the legit, the safe, the trusted, the verified, the official path. You pay a little bit more money for it, but what you're paying for is peace of mind. And so with all these markets and marketplaces, I think huge opportunity missed for OpenSea. 
Because what OpenSea could have done and should have done was create a much more powerful trust, verification, safety, and security um, customer-facing interface. Well, you can't actually trade on our platform if you haven't satisfied these conditions. So I'm like I'm of the opinion, as I said, I started off today by saying kind of, you know, I, I'm not prepared to write off this NFT space. I'm not. It's not because I'm stubborn. It might be because I'm a little stubborn, but it's not because I'm stubborn arrogant. It's because I just believe that in many cases it came down to the things that you've heard me say many, many times here, timing and luck. In this case, I'm going to actually say one of them, remember I say four things, two you can control, two you cannot. What you can control is idea and execution. What you can't control is timing and luck. The idea, phenomenal, brilliant, amazing, which is why I can't let it go. The execution, awful in retrospect. The timing, mixed, you know, I mean, it was, we were all kind of in a bubble, which was COVID. And then when kind of we started to come out of it and, and things took a turn and, and everything else, we kind of felt like, we always felt it at the best of times that we were ahead of our time. We always felt at the best of times that we were early. We always said that we're early, we're early, we're early. The learning curve was steep, but people figured it out. And then there's luck. And some people got super lucky and others didn't. But in, in my particular case, I would say if I was grading them, I'd say idea, you know, A++++++. Execution, you know, probably um, between a D and an F. But let's go with a D. Maybe closer to F. And that we could control. The timing mixed like a C minus because we had the opportunity, but we kind of blew it. We, 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 we had this moment. It's like Clubhouse as well. Clubhouse is the extreme version of that. I mean, at the end of the day, did they have a timing, you know, kind of jackpot and they still screwed it up? And then luck, as it relates to all of this, you know, again, a C, C plus. Because there's still, you know, board apes are still there. Just that there was a lot of a shakeout, maybe even a B minus. Overall, how am I grading this? I mean, C plus maybe, C I don't know. I don't know what, what your grades would be. Maybe put that into the, uh, into the cafe, into the chat. How would you grade the whole NFT space looking back now over idea, execution, timing, and luck? What overall grade would you give it? I guess I came with, uh, so my overall grade was probably C, what did I say, C or C plus? Maybe a C. Iteration one. 
iteration two, I mean, the idea is still stellar A+. Execution's going to be better. Has to be. I mean, it doesn't take a lot. Isn't hard. Shouldn't be hard to be able to, you know, deal with some of these trust and verification issues, doxing, everything we discussed. Timing, fantastic. Timing will be better. <coughs> Our cadence will be better. Our, you know, I mean, timing's going to be less of an issue and luck is always a bit of a crapshoot. So next version, I expect to be in a solid B, V2.0. Maybe higher. But to move from a C to a B or a C to a B plus, I don't think it takes a lot. You know, pricing will adjust. But pricing is still just a function of supply and demand at the end of the day. I do think pricing was a little insane. I mean, Recur just shut down. Recur had um, all the relationships with like the Paramounts and the Viacoms and the, you know, I remember buying, I mean, I remember, and, and, and by the way, the demand was always there. I remember the, the Star Trek Enterprises and the Hello Kitties and the Care Bears. They sold out within seconds. $250 a pop, $300 a pop. The pricing was just completely out of whack. We should never have been buying trading cards, Star Trek trading cards and Hello Kitty. You know, we should have been paying $14 for them or $20 max. But again, it wasn't clear what the business model was. It wasn't clear what the roadmap was. It wasn't clear what the objectives were. We kind of just stopped at the whole idea of get a rare, get a rare, get a rare, flip, 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 flip. We actually were never looking at this long term. We were always and only looking at this short term. The whole discussion of soulbound was was kind of a bit of a joke. So I think it's a good opportunity for us to look back and introspect and retrospect and 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 actually realize we weren't as bad as we thought first of all. And and maybe we even, you know, here here's a thought, maybe we even maybe we even overdelivered. Maybe we punched a little bit above our weight to have created such a robust ecosystem so early. We kind of, you know, I mean, in a way, if there's a takeaway here, one of the takeaways is, remember there's the old saying, which is if things seem too good to be true, they often are. Well, maybe that's what was staring at us in the face. that the ramp-ups were just too quick. And and we just got ahead of ourselves. We were a little bit too... It's not... 
it's interesting because we keep on saying we were so early. We might not have actually been so early. We just might have been ahead of ourselves. It's a, it's a key difference here. A little bit too greedy. A little bit too impetuous. A little bit too uh, impatient. We were probably in the right place at the right time. There were some amazing examples and use cases and best practices. We just got a little bit too greedy. We got ahead of ourselves. Bez says the tech behind NFTs, aka smart contracts, were not that impressive. Some of them were pretty dumb, uh, very basic. Um, well, maybe he'll come up and chat a little bit about it. We've got about 16 minutes left in our hour. I don't know that that's the case. I don't know that I agree. Um, but let, let's, let's, hear, let's hear from you, Bez. Well, um, I mean, if, look, I've been a recruiter. I'm not a technical person per se, but um, I've been – I've staffed pretty complex projects, pretty, you know, massively large scale, you know, or parallel processing projects. And the the tech typically is very um, robust, very structured, very, you know, where teams of people are working on it. Uh, I just didn't see that in the NFT space, you know, like, the smart contracts were really not that smart, you know. They were pretty basic, if this, then that type of... Um, now, there were parts of it that were highly tech, you know, maybe at the protocol level. But, um, you know, everybody has to develop a protocol in order for the programmers to tap into the ecosystem. And, and that's different type of programming. But, um, I mean, if your average person can can um come up with a smart you know everybody was saying they could do a smart contract but what everybody couldn't guarantee you was how solid that smart contract was uh was it and out of that there was created industries like people that audited your smart contract well in the normal um software engineering world that's called q a and that's what you do anyways uh, in, uh, you look at your code base, and then you, um, through high reliability programming, people don't evaluate their own code. They throw it over the fence. So, they so, practice good QA so, techniques. And you, you can talk so, to Praxin. Praxin knows this yeah, but extremely let, let, well. I just want to moderate and keep the conversation kind of uh, keep, keep it on track. What you're saying is, what you're saying is some of these smart contracts were not that secure. Uh, there are two points, right? S- smart is how, what is smart, right? <laughs> like does smart mean you can only buy one and not two? As much as you try and you know want to buy 10, you can only buy one at a time when you go and verify your wallet. I mean, that, that was pretty innovative, I felt, that you could go and you know punch in your wallet and say, oh, nope, you're not on the whitelist, sorry. Um, or you can only buy three. Damn, I wanted to try and buy 30. So in, in the, you know, you could pause the contract. I mean, listen, I have a smart contract for Alpha Collective and I've seen it. I don't really understand half of it. Um, but I know that there are certain basic things I can do. For example, gifting someone, how I can mint one for free. 
Um, so there, there uh, so I, I think your point there is taken. I'm giving you, I concede that, Bez, which is actually we were almost at the, you know, it's like the dawn of time, right? We were looking at, uh, you know, we're looking at a, a calculator in, uh, you know, 1974 and marveling at, at you know, I mean, I, re- I remember as a kid, do you remember there was that, that stupid, um, there was like this, uh, it's like a story you tell with all the numbers and then you turn the calculator upside down and the word boobless comes on. Um, did you ever do that? Yeah, yeah. And, and to your point, I also got pulled into the trap. You know, it was cool. It was shiny. We thought it was innovative. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I and and Praxim should probably come up. He's probably, as a product manager, seen very complex process, procedures, and code base, and and, and stuff that really does complex high reliability type of stuff. So, we, I mean, we, uh, we, we, anyways. Yeah, we, we, tr- we try to minimize his voice on the stage, but um, <laughs> just kidding. Sorry, the actual word is 55378008. But, but and, and I, I remember, I, I mean, the point is this, right? The point is, and, and I get it and I accept it and I, you know, which is, we are actually looking at smart contracts of a very basic nature, but I wouldn't say it was a negative. I would say, I would say what actually happened. I mean, again, point number one: this was an alternative funding model, which is genius and brilliant. However, the problem was that in the hands of inexperienced and/or unethical people who didn't actually realize that at some point they would need some kind of annuity or recurring revenue, it became quickly a disaster. So that was, that was one thing. The second thing, in no particular order, was an unbelievable uh, flooding of the market. There was a monstrous imbalance between supply and demand. Now, short term, that was clouded and shrouded in the fact that everything just kind of sold out because it was the same wallets again and again and again, and there might have been some misdirection. And then the third point was just the, an acute lack of um, security, you know, and um, which, of course, was exploited uh, by said scammers. So I think if those three, I'm sure there are more, but if you just address those three points, could you start all over again today to incredible growth and sustained success? My answer is an unequivocal yes. Unequivocal. Put differently, and I'll ask this to you, Bez, and anyone else, right? If you were starting today, to, if you were starting all over again, not if we could do it again now, knowing what we know, but I'm just saying, if you could go back then, back to the beginning, what would you do differently? Well, uh, Joseph, I, you know, you were, I, I wanted to jump in on your point. It was a innovative funding model. I, I got to give you that. Um, but you know what, what, what would I do if I would, if I was sitting in what seat, what, what what's the question exactly? Well, it's two ways, right? My, my assertion, which you can agree or disagree with, is that if we could start it again today, 
That doesn't mean from it, it means like like if we were to reboot the whole space today, knowing what we know, how confident are we that we would be successful? I'm saying extremely. I'm saying it would be unbelievably successful because we would address all of the we would we would also you know let's be clear we would address you, you weren't uh, you came a little bit late, but I'm saying like you know from custodial wallets to listen if we've got two factor authorization Duo and Microsoft Authenticator apps you know that that with QR codes and two factor authorization we could easily have just created a simple app or someone would have created a simple app to store seed phrases. So let's just assume, right, again, we could create a safer, more secure ecosystem that would allow the, the processing and trading of NFTs. And let's just even stick to the concept of trading cards, which we know is an unbelievable best practice and worked before NFTs, right? So we, you know, we're talking about Topshop and and FIFA, you know, my like as I was saying, my my boys have probably spent thousands of dollars on FIFA packs. You know, trying to get the the Pele or the you know whatever, or Vinte or Player or T or Belonda or Messi or whatever the case may be. So I think if we could do it again today and start again today, addressing what we address, making sure that you have to be doxed, making sure that you can actually see the credentials of your founders making sure that we eliminated certain degrees of anonymity, um, I would have a high degree of confidence that we'd be successful. Yeah, and, and Joseph, you mentioned a few things. Um, and just to break it down, I would focus on trust. Because, you know, if people can trust the tech or the concept, then they will be... M- um, more apt to join in. The, the other thing too is I would make it as easy as possible to use. So somehow, some way the UI would be intuitive. It wouldn't be far fetched ideas and maybe not so many steps to do something that today we do, you know, at the swipe of a card or, you know, that we, that it's not that big of a leap for, the normies out there. Um, the the third thing that I would do, so trust, usability, and then um, there was another one that... Uh, yeah, like user experience, yeah. right? When you say usability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I agree. And, 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 yeah. and, I, and I have to say, you know, what... So last, last question, which is a little bit more of a controvers- controversial one, which is which is in order for a reboot of the NFT space, if you will, in order to see this succeed, um, do we need to see a bunch of complete new players and new collections and new models, or you know just the people that are still surviving and scraping by? Will they necessarily succeed? Will they you know be carried over and carried forward into the what comes next? Um, you know, so all of these, I mean, hell, I, I look down, you know, it's funny because Doodles, um, you know, Doodles is sitting on 2 ETH. It dropped all the way down to 1.2. Like Doodles is one of, still one of the blue chip ones. 
and Lazy Lions is still there. But when I look at, oh my goodness, like so much crap um, in my, you know, <laughs> in my collections, um, you know, uh, the Tiger Sanctuary, Expansion Punks, um, Diamond Dogs, NFT. That was great. They even did a baseball game. It was an ex-baseball player. Um, you know, Angel Alliance, uh, Gratitude Gang, Tribe X. I know all of these connections. These are not even bad ones. You know, I mean, I had I had Tribe X on my show and I had Gratitude Gang on my show. Um, you know, um, what's his name? Uh, Valencia. I mean, unbelievable idea. The, like, funky fungi. I'm sure I never bought into that one. Um, it's unbelievable how many of these you know, collections came and went. I don't know how many of them are even around. I just went into, do you remember the Playboy Rabbitohs? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just went in now and I just want to see the last post under general announcements. Um, October 28th, 2023. So, I mean, there's still a post. It says, happy birthday in honor of the Rabbitohs two-year anniversary. We're excited to share a brand new landing page. They're still there. You know, and if I go to the general chat, um, I mean, there's conversation. There was, you know, there are still people there. So that becomes an interesting question, which is, which is, if we think about a reboot, if we think about the V 2.0, if we think about a, maybe call it, whether we call it a resurgence or a revival or or a renaissance for the, for the NFT space, you know, will all of these collections come back? Will they all kind of resurface or are they kind of like the end of an era and we need to see a whole bunch of new players with new models and new and new interfaces? What do you think? Okay, so now, now I remember the third thing I wanted to say, expectations. Uh, I think we need to, because what you're saying, uh, the collections and collections, why aren't they just a collection, right? You know, like, let's not make it more than it is. It's like people say, well, the community and, you know, I'm going to take you to the moon and I'm going to, we're going to get in a space rocket and spaceship, you know, it's like, it's, it's too much. You know, I think we're going to develop a game. Well, it's a collection. It's let's just leave it as is. And whether they come back or not, the value is going to be in the eye of the beholder and let's leave it at that. And so for me, the expectation, that would be one of the third things if it's going to, and, and I think you dumb down the expectations, like, you know, um, what is a DAO and this concept of, um, uh, no, I think you, of, I, uh, I, just, yeah. I just want to actually acknowledge what you said, because I think what you said was quite brilliant, which is, which is we should just call it what it is as opposed to call it what it's not. In other words, is it just a collection? Is it a community? You know, that, that, that NFTs could actually end up, and I don't know what this is, but they could end up with two or three different, you know, different categories. And I think that's okay, right? As I was saying at the beginning, I absolutely will still mandate, you know, for the trading card model. Call them trading cards, you know, um, NF, NFTs or non-fungible trading cards, you know, I don't care, NFTCs. Um, but that can be a model in of itself. The other thing I will tell you is that I think 
you know, if we created a sense, if we were starting, let's just say we took over OpenSea or we created rules, right? What would those rules be? Rule number one, you've got to be doxxed. You know, rule number two, maybe there's an age. Uh, you know, you've, you've got to have demonstrated your ability to manage money before. Um, so, or at a minimum, just be able to say, this is a 16-year-old. You're, you're, you're putting $1,000 into a 16-year-old's business. I wouldn't do that. I'd buy lemonade. <laughs> I'd buy lemonade from them from a lemonade stand. But the other thing that I would eliminate is the whole concept of whales. I would eliminate the whole concept of, of having multiple NFTs. That's what I would also eliminate. Because I think one of the things that was the undoing, I know it's right at the end you know, of, of the hour, but one of the things that I think was the undoing of the NFT space, and, and, and this is an important point, so I'll just make the point quickly. We put all the blame you know, on the founders, you know, and, and the scammers and, you know, and the 22-year-old the bros and the inexperienced, whatever. But we never took any responsibility as collectors ourselves. We were the ones flipping and trying to make a quick buck. We were the ones, you know, that became whales. Now, you can argue, of course, you can take a step back and say, well, wait a second, was that the founder, you know, kind of duping us and baiting us into becoming whales? We certainly know of some founders that have tried to gamify and 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 uh, coerce people into buying more, but for the most part, we have to take some responsibility for buying more and more and more and more and more. You know, and there should have been a limit. There should always have been a cap on how many NFTs one you know wallet uh, at a minimum. I would say uh, a, a cap of NFTs per wallet. I think that would have made a huge, huge difference. Because when it became a money-making scheme, and in some cases a money-making scam, that's when people got wrecked. And that would be an easy one to fix as well. You know, one of the things that, that uh, you know, I've tried to do, you know, in, in Alpha Collective, my learnings, listen, whether Alpha Collective makes it or not, you know, they talk about being stubborn. Um, I addressed it by making it a one-year membership. So there's recurring revenue. So that was one thing. The other thing is made sure that you could only, with the Freemint, that you could only get one per wallet. So again, trying to avoid the gamification, the gaming of the mechanism. Um, you know, the one thing I didn't embed into the smart contract, I, well, the third thing I did was the first hundred were first customers. Um, but the the one thing that I didn't get to do because I just, you know, didn't have the capability is to ensure, um, and still I hope that if and when this gets off the ground, that we don't end up with one company buying a hundred of a thousand paid memberships, because that defeats the purpose of what the spirit of what the community is meant to achieve, which is diversity of opinion, perspective, backgrounds, industries, companies. So you don't want to have one. You don't want a whale. You don't want, you know, an imbalanced ownership. You know, the, the statistic was always there and we either just ignored it or we didn't understand it. Any collection where you have, quite frankly, under even 20% ownership, you know, or only 20% of the actual holders, I don't know what the number is. The number might be 15. It's not higher than 20, I can tell you that. It's probably, um, I mean, sorry, it's not 
it it's not higher. It should be higher. The from what I've seen, from what I've seen, the number is in the fifties. That's where it should be. I'll go and just tell you very quickly um, where Doodles is because it's like one of the last collections that I think I monitor. I think I think Joseph. One of the things is we gotta. Um, be careful with the terminology we use. If we're gonna, if this is gonna succeed in the future, if it's a collection, an art collection, great, call it a collection. But if it's a membership, call it a membership. Terms that we use in no, today's day. Uh, I'm agreeing yeah, with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's that's what I said. So probably a hundred percent. I just want to tell you what the doodles number is, um, because as I said, to me that's the only proxy. I don't look at, I don't look at board ape because. Um, it's just too expensive, I think, for the most part. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Doodles is 56%. What I'm talking about is unique owners. 56%, there are, there are 5,615 unique owners. For the most part, you know, I even remember back in the Fanzo days, he would talk about the three by three by three. But But for the most part, no one person should ever own more than two or three nfts in a collection or even and and even more so bears in a community because you're only one person so why have you got three you know um and i get the and i and 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 what i have said to people and you've heard me say this before with alpha collective i'd be like listen if this were me you know at the moment the you know the the demand isn't there but if this were me and the demand was there i'd buy two one to keep and one to flip. Specifically, what I'm saying is not that you want to make money from it, but what you want to avoid is being in a position where the price is so high and now you're like, oh, shit, what do I do? I love this community. I don't want to leave, but I need the money. Can I, okay, so... What, uh, just let me jump in there real quick. So you are selling a membership pass and what, you know, and you're at plus your value proposition. When you ask, uh, yes, it's not a collection. Someone to, it's not a connection hmm? to your point. Well, 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 no, I'm, 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 so I'm just going, going on something you just said. So you, you, you were saying, Hey, buy the membership. But if I were you, I'd buy two because, you know, you could flip. I think it, that confuses people because you now you're introducing a second concept. Like they've they've got to first you're wrap right. their head around why you're do right. I want to buy? And when you introduce a, a an investment option, you're like, whoa! It's too like they can't even wrap their head around the first concept, right? Like they're trying to like, why should I join the membership, right? So I just you, I think you are you are one yeah. you are one hundred percent right, and I acknowledge that without any caveat, you know. And this was me, and this was me, by the way, just trying to think like, uh, remember, remember Fanzo, he always said, you have to be a collector first, right? You've got to be like, if you want to launch, if you want to launch your own, um, you know, if you want to become a founder, you've got to be a collector first. So this is me thinking like a collector, but at the same time, to your point, confusing the hell out of people, which is exactly what we also did a, a a, a great meaning lousy job of no totally so I, I i love this conversation today i'm glad you came up um you know just to let you know that we won't be doing any 
uh, cafes for the rest of the week, um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because of Thanksgiving, taking a bit of a break. Um, but I love the conversation. And, and again, you know, there are elements just to kind of do a quick reframe or paraphrase of the whole thing. We start off with this idea of if I'd known then what I know now, I wouldn't have got involved to if I'd known then what I know now, I would have started one year prior to if you could do it all over again, what would you do differently? And, and what would you do the same? And why it's important to always have, you should always be able to do something differently, because we're not perfect. And, you know, anyone who says I wouldn't change a thing, I think they're just a liar or a fool or both. Right. And then we we discussed, actually, like, what would we do differently? You know, eliminating the whales, um, you know, having recurring revenue or membership, um, calling it what it is. Um, as you said, use experience, uh, trust and uh, trust and, and verification, security, um, you know, expectations, expectations, like, huge, huge, huge. Uh, because open, I, I think open, it just, open, it just went off the rails on expectations, you know. Yeah, no, brilliant. Well, listen, uh, have an amazing Thanksgiving for those of you that uh, are celebrating and listening to the to the podcast version uh tim praxim chris uh bez appreciate all of you and uh and we'll we'll pick it up again uh you know i i will pick it up on monday i feel very um i feel very very excited about the future you know in just thinking about it and talking about it today um because you know we are all just trying to figure things out sometimes individually, sometimes as groups, sometimes as communities, sometimes even as an industry. Um, but when you actually think about it, you know, the the biggest gift, the biggest gift that we have, I call this mulligan, is the mulligan, is, is try it again. You know, maybe it's, you know, um, maybe it's, uh, or, or, or the gift that we are ever, the gift should we ever be given it is a mulligan, I should say. Sometimes the ability to start again. Yeah, start again. Do it. You know, if you have the luxury, if you have the funding, if you have the time, if you have the the strength, the ability, the the energy, that's the greatest gift ever. Just to like start again. For for most of us, we don't get the privilege of having mulligans in life. Um, but I would argue, and very consistent with Forever Change, that every day that we wake up and we have the ability to rise out of our bed. I mean, talk about gratitude and thanksgiving. Every day essentially is a mulligan if you look at it that way, if you come with that perspective that says, I get another chance. I get another chance to almost start again. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to mean from scratch, but, you know, it's the same concept. Like if you're playing a round of golf, you know, and you get a mulligan on the 16th, that means you start the 16th again. doesn't mean you go back and, and start again at one. That's that's clean slate. We're just talking about, you know, maybe I maybe I call this episode mini mini mulligan. Um, but yeah, have a great day, everyone. Great Thanksgiving. Bears, thanks for being uh, for being ever all of you. Thanks for being ever present. Um, it's been a hell of a journey, and um, I should just read one more thing because. Because Praxim wrote it, uh, NFTs are like the story. A young man named Chuck bought a horse from a farmer for $250. The farmer agreed to deliver the horse the next day. The next day, the farmer drove up to Chuck's house and said, Sorry, son, but I have some bad news. The horse died. 
Chuck replied, well, then just give me my money back. The farmer said, can't do that. I went and spent it already. Chuck said, okay, then just bring me the dead horse. Farmer said, well, what are you going to do with him? Chuck said, I'm going to raffle him off. The farmer said, you can't raffle off a dead horse. Chuck said, sure I can, watch me. I just won't tell anybody he's dead. A month later, the farmer met up with Chuck and asked, what happened with that dead horse? Chuck said, I raffled him off. I sold 500 tickets at $5 a piece and made a profit of $2,495. The farmer said, don't, didn't anyone complain? Chuck said, just the guy who won. So I gave him his $5 back. Boom. <laughs> That's funny. That, my friend, sounds like a Ponzi scheme, <laughs> like a pyramid scheme. Uh, but you know what? Let him have the last laugh and, uh, and the last rim shot. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.